were telling me why they were hybridizing, why the greys and the humans were hybridizing, what they were looking for, and uh, what they're looking for from the human beings is our ability to exude empathy and our ability to love and to be sympathetic because they're species that's been bred out of them, it's died out of them, so to speak, and it's hard to keep a species going if you don't have sympathy and empathy. So they were looking specifically for those uh, DNA qualities. Uh, they're also interested, not always, but sometimes interested in people who do have a stronger extrasensory perception abilities. And all of this just kind of blew my mind. Uh, it was a lot for me to grasp and it freaked me out. Because back then, I thought the greys were evil. I've completely changed my mind now, but I thought they were out to hurt me and they were actually out to hurt all of mankind. So, for the remainder of our trip, I was just kind of freaked out. He was a little freaked out. And I just told myself, when I get back home to Capitol Hill, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. But when I got back home to Capitol Hill, I was not fine. I couldn't shake it, I couldn't let it go. And I knew there was more to the meeting than what I remembered. And I wanted to know what that was. And I didn't want anything to do with it. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just fad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. So great to be with you again. Remember, if you like the conversations we have on ATP Media, remember to subscribe and like and click that bell button for the latest updates. Today, I have another fascinating woman to introduce you to. Her name is Sev Tok. Welcome to the show, Sev. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here with you today and, and with your uh, listeners and viewers. Now, Sam has a fascinating experience or story or life story, and you found me through Kevin, Kevin Briggs. The two of you met at yes. a conference? Uh, we, we met actually through Facebook, and oh, okay. we're going to meet in person uh, pretty soon in a couple of weeks in Orlando, Florida. We're both going to UFOCon in Orlando, oh, Florida, which is a, a new conference. And I'll be speaking at that conference in 2020. Uh, okay. So you're just going there to check it out this time, this year? To meet the founder uh, and uh, connect with her and also to connect with Kathleen Morton, who endorsed my book and who has been a huge help for me. She's the one that I reached out to when I thought I was losing my mind and I needed help. And she was very, very generous with her time and her support. And uh, we Skyped for an hour and a half. And that, that meeting with her changed my life. Oh, beautiful. So for those of you who haven't seen my show with Kevin Briggs, he has a fascinating story too. And I'm going to get him back on the show because there's so much more to his story than meets the eye. But like you, he's an experiencer. He's a lifelong experiencer who has full memory, which is unlike you. You have memory as a child and then, and then later you had some recall, which we'll go into. But uh, yeah, Kevin has just whew, amazing experiences. Let me read your bio so that people get a little idea of who you are. Sev Tok is originally from Istanbul, Turkey. She's a speaker, author, spiritual counselor, and experiencer. Her first memories of ET contact were at the age of 10. Then the next recall happened in September 2017 when she discovered burn marks as a red X on her backside. <laughs> this was a life-changing incident as she remembered coming face-to-face -face with a grey. It also made her come out of the ET closet, so to speak, and write her book, You Have the Right to Talk to Aliens. 
In her book, Sev describes her ET contact, including Roswell, New Mexico, where the Greys gave her information about the hybridization process as well as other information. Sev works with experiences around the world, helping them process and understand their remarkable events. She also conducts soul sessions, providing guidance to activate one's potential and consciously manifest in our quantum reality. Sev says she has a planet and star system named after her in the Star Wars galactic system. Is there a planet called Sev? <laughs> there is a Sev talk planet and a star system. Talk. Mm -hmm. really? uh, many years ago, I had a girlfriend. Well, she's still my girlfriend. And back then, and she was dating someone several years ago, a writer, and he got a job writing a short story for Star Wars. And he said to me that he liked my name and that he was going to name a planet after me. And I thought he was kidding. But he was serious, and the story came out, and I'm even in Wikipedia, and there is a Sev Talk star system and Sev Talk planet. That's fantastic. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. So in the Star Wars trilogy, you're there, which is kind of interesting, isn't it, considering your experiences. Yes. You can find a free forum for experiences and ET encounters on Sev's web website, which is planetsev.com. She also has a YouTube channel called Alien Spirit TV. Okay, like let's start at the beginning of this. At 10, you have memory of some experiences at 10. Tell us what was happening to you at 10. I was being regularly visited by this being for a couple of years. The, the last visit was around age 12. And it was so many times that I lost count. And uh, this big uh, spaceship would arrive and I'd be looking up at it. I'd see the bottom. And each time it came from a different direction, each time it was a different experience. And the spaceship would land and he would come out. And he looked human. He was slightly different. I do remember that his ears were a little different. And it was the young male, looked like he was in his 20s or 30s, and he had on a black shirt and black pants, but I can't remember if they were attached. And I was so happy when I would see him. It was like seeing a brother. And uh, he would just talk to me just to make sure I was okay. He was just checking up on me. And after the encounter, I would plop back into my bedroom and then just get ready to go to school. And I wouldn't say anything to anybody, never said anything to anybody. I could have told my parents, my parents were very open, uh, open-minded and, uh, but I didn't for some reason, I just told no one. And the very, very last encounter was different because I was with a group of children. All the other times it was just me and him. But this time I was with a group of kids and I remember looking sideways at them, but I did not see their faces. And we were all roughly the same age. And we were standing there watching the spaceship take off, knowing that we weren't gonna see it again. So we were very sad. And then there was also this knowing of, okay, I gotta do my work. And then I came to in my bedroom. And at that age, I didn't know what my work was. I didn't know what that meant. And uh, I couldn't forget about the incident. But now that I'm older, I understand what the work is. And I also want to meet those other children. So is this, uh, and recall, I, is this recall you had in hypnosis or is this conscious recall that you just remember as a child? It's conscious. Right. I've only been to hypnosis once, right. uh, and it was to help explain something that happened in Roswell, New Mexico, because I could only remember part of it. I couldn't remember the whole thing, and I wanted to remember the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So I went to a regression therapist in Virginia. All my other uh, ET stories are all uh, conscious memories. Mm -hmm. So... You grew up knowing that you had been on a spaceship, like you grew up knowing that, or did it sort of go to the back of your memory and it just wasn't a part of It just of went to the back of my mind, yeah, like for most of my life. I just came out last summer 
yeah, last summer. My book came out last summer. So it just came out last summer. And then shortly after. All right, we've had a few audio difficulties today, but we're going to soldier on and just ask for any interference to go away. I don't know why we've got the interference, but who knows? So we don't know where we were. Let's, let's move on. So you were about 12 when the experiences stopped and you were with a group of children and you all seem to know that you were, that the experiences were going to stop or at least the memory of the experiences were going to stop. And then it was in 2017. Well, did, was the Roswell experience before September 17, 2017? Yes, it was in 2016. All right. Well, let's go into that. You went to visit Roswell with your partner or he was transferred there or something? Yes. Yes, it was an unexpected visit. It just came up out of the blue. Uh, for the last year of my boyfriend's career, he took an early retirement. He lived and worked in Hawaii, on the island of Kauai. So I would just spend the last year flying back and forth from Capitol Hill, Washington, D.C., where we lived, to Hawaii. And he called me one day and said, I have to go to White Sands, New Mexico, for work. Uh, why don't you meet me there? Or why don't you fly to El Paso, I'll pick you up, I'll take you to White Sands, and then I'll take you to Roswell. And I was so excited because I had known about Roswell ever since I was a little girl. And uh, so I flew to El Paso, he picked me up, we went to White Sands. Have you been to White Sands? No, I haven't, no. Is it beautiful? It's, uh, well, White Sands itself is beautiful, yes. Uh, the missile range, the White Sands missile range, where he works or worked is creepy, creepy, <laughs> creepy, creepy. And when we drove up to it, all my hair just stood up on the back <laughs> of my neck. And it's at the base of this black mountain and it just felt like something nefarious was going on. And I also felt like there was a lot underneath me. Like I felt like there was a lot under the earth, mm. like rooms and things something activity going on in the ground and uh, they had a uh, a missile park outside where they showed off all the different missiles that our United States government has made and there was one that was very unusual everything was long and pointy but there was one that was round and it looked exactly like a spaceship and the little plaque next to it said this was uh, for uh, a weather balloon uh, I can't remember the year, but it was not the year of Roswell. And I looked at that and it was very clear to me that this was just an attempt to hide the fact of what happened at Roswell. Mm -hmm. So from there we went to Roswell itself and we went to the museum there and we had a really good time. And then we went to our hotel room, which was right in Roswell and we were both tired. So I was sitting on the bed while he was in the bathroom and flicking through the TV channels. And as I was flicking through, I was wishing that the show People of Earth would come on. I don't know if you have People of Earth. Have you seen it? No, I don't think I've okay. seen it. Okay, it's not on anymore. It was only two seasons. And it was produced by Conan O'Brien. And it was a really funny, really well done take on a group of experiencers. And, uh, my boyfriend hadn't seen it and I knew that the last episode had already aired and it wasn't going to be on. So he comes out of the bathroom and I stop the channel on a commercial and he says something to me and then I look at the TV and next thing I know, People of Earth comes on. And I'm like, oh, okay, I guess we're supposed to watch this. And we watched it and he liked it. And uh, then we went to sleep. The next thing I remember is that my eyes popped open and the room was pitch black. I could see nothing, but I heard footprints and, or footsteps. And then I felt my boyfriend getting into the bed. And I thought to myself, why was Patrick sitting on the couch? Was it because of the aliens? And then I went back to sleep. So I woke up uh, morning and Patrick's taking a shower. And I'm sitting on the bed wondering why did I think it was the aliens and how did I know Patrick was sitting on the couch because 
Patrick doesn't get up in the middle of the night and sit on the couch and the room is pitch black. How did I know any of this? And then all of a sudden there was just this, gosh, just this download of information and also pictures. And I saw myself talking to, talking with a group of grays and they were giving me information about the hybridization program. And they were reminding me of what they had shown me a couple of years prior. Uh, I was with three of them and they had shown me a baby in a tube. And uh, they told me that I was part of this hybridization program as well as millions and millions of people. Yeah. Millions. And so this is recall that you got back under hypnosis, right? Because when you no. left Roswell, you didn't have that recall, did you? Did no, you? what I'm telling you now, I remembered. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remembered all of this. And they were telling me why they were hybridizing, why the greys and the humans were hybridizing, what they were looking for. And uh, what they're looking for from the human beings is our ability to exude empathy and our ability to love and to be sympathetic because they're species that's been bred out of them. It's died out of them, so to speak. And it's hard to keep a species going if you don't have sympathy and empathy. So they were looking specifically for those uh, DNA qualities. Uh, they're also interested, not always, but sometimes interested in people who do have a stronger extrasensory perception abilities. And Patrick came out of the bathroom and I said to him, did you get up in the middle of the night? And he said, yes. And I said, did you go sit on the couch? And he said, yes. And I said, what happened? And my boyfriend is extremely logical very, very logical. And he said, uh, I don't know how to describe it. And I've never felt this before. This has never happened to me before, but there was someone in the room and I couldn't see them. And I felt like we were being watched and I would get up and I would look, but I couldn't find anything. And it was so intense that I couldn't sleep. I just got up and I sat on the couch and I watched you flip and flop in the bed. I thought you were up actually. And all of this just kind of blew my mind. Uh, it was a lot for me to grasp and it freaked me out because back then I thought the grays were evil. I've completely changed my mind now, but I thought they were out to hurt me and they were actually out to hurt all of mankind. So for the remainder of our trip, I was just kind of freaked out. He was a little freaked out. And I just told myself, when I get back home to Capitol Hill, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. But when I got back home to Capitol Hill, I was not fine. I couldn't shake it. I couldn't let it go. And I knew there was more to the meeting than what I remembered. And I wanted to know what that was. And I didn't want anything to do with the grays. I didn't want my clients to know that I was communicating with them. I wanted, I wanted them completely out of my life. I was angry and I was scared. So I confided in a friend and she told me about a regression uh, therapist in Luray, Virginia. And uh, I went to her and it was very, very helpful. I don't, if, uh, from what I understand, uh, some people are a little afraid of regression therapy. Uh, my experience was very, very positive. Uh, my boyfriend also sat in on it. It was over an hour long. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was good to hear his perspective. And he took notes too. And he could see that even though he couldn't understand it and it wasn't logical, he could see that it was real and how I was having real experiences. And at times I used words that I don't usually use or I spoke in a way that I don't usually speak. And that filled in some of the gaps. And what I got out of the regression therapy was that I got a lot out of it, uh, but specifically about this Roswell incident, uh, that there are billions and billions of these fetuses, so to speak, in the suspended animation. And they're there in case we kill ourselves off. Uh, it's not definite that we're going to kill ourselves off, but we could. 
And if we do, then this planet will be, be seated, so to speak, with mm -hmm. these beings. And also there's a fear in the, well, there was a fear in the galactic system that these uh, embryos might be used for uh, reasons that aren't good or nice. And I was told that these embryos are uh, genetically engineered to exude a lot of love, to be infused with a lot of love. So if anyone's looking to capture these embryos and use them for uh, negative or nefarious reasons uh, it's, or for a killing machine, it's really hard for entities that are infused with love to be effective killing machines. Mm -hmm. You know, I've spoken with a lot of people over the years and many people who have had uh, ET encounters or angelic encounters or encounters with spirit like 30, 40, 50 years ago were shown probable futures of Earth's reality. And amongst those probable futures was the complete destruction of humanity. So it doesn't surprise me that this is going on you know, if humanity doesn't get with the program and start loving each other and stop killing each other and, you know, making bombs and stuff like that, then there would be a possibility of the uh, humanoid population to be wiped out. And it's such a remarkable apparatus, this human body. It is absolutely exquisite, really. I mean, I don't know anything about ET, you know, bodies, but having studied naturopathy, physiology and anatomy the reason i found god if you like was the thought when i was studying the human apparatus who designed this this is the most incredible system and most of the scientists today still don't know exactly how the body works they're still like well this happens but we don't know exactly why and there's this gland and we don't really know exactly what the purpose is i mean the pituitary gland sorry the pineal gland is still a kind of a mystery to most scientists and not so much to experiences and spiritual people but to most scientists it's a mystery so it is very much very yeah. unknown i have a biology degree from Loyola, I was pre-med when I was in college. Right. And I decided not to go to medical school, but there's a part of me that still really looks at everything from a biological perspective, like yeah. from a natural perspective. And I agree with you. Uh, there's this divine energy that runs through us that is uh, so perfect, that orchestrates everything. And uh, I believe that quantum physics or quantum theory is just basically uh, our attempts to understand what that divine power is mm -hmm. that creates all of us and everything that we see. Yeah, I mean, there is, you know, divine energy that runs through us, but the, just the design of the human body is just quite remarkable. It's really remarkable. And, um, you know, we want to talk about... <sighs> we want to talk about unconditional love when you understand there's like something like three trillion chemical reactions happening within a minute or a second of your body all orchestrating beautifully with each other all coordinating all cooperating you know there's this incredible cooperation and orchestration that has nothing to do with our conscious mind as we sit here and chat about being abducted or chat about anything that we chat about it's just happening as this unbelievable support system that's happening. Sometimes it goes terribly wrong, but, uh, you know, with health problems, but that's a different story. All right, so you, you had the regression and you remembered this, and, and you say there are billions of bodies that have been created through the hybridization program in case we um, kill each other and explode, uh, you know, like wipe out the human race. But that doesn't look like it's going to happen. Um, many people have said that we've reached a point of critical mass where we're not going to blow each other up and kill each other, that we're going to move into a new reality. So what happens to all these bodies? Did they tell you that? Like, what, what's going to happen to them? No. And that it's a really good question. Uh, they might just stay in that state. Uh, or... Uh, as we advance and uh, as life on earth transforms uh, such that we are aware of other beings and that we're living 
with other beings and we're going back and forth to each other's planets and that it's not unusual to have an alien as a next door neighbor maybe. Uh, maybe then those em embryos might come to life, maybe then, I don't know. But I do like to fantasize that one day my next door neighbor will be an alien and that we'll just go out for drinks and have dinner together and like, and it's nothing. It's just, you know, it's like the, uh, like the bar scene. Bar in scene in Star Wars. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, a little blue being with, you know, different shaped eyes, different shaped ears. Mm -hmm. or whatever uh maybe mantis beings you know like those just they come in all shapes and sizes or you know star wars was so great i mean what's his name wookie he's basically a sasquatch right like he's a you yes. know the wookie character he's, yes yeah um, so and uh, bigfoot lives in my neighborhood Ah, bigfoot's everywhere <laughs> he's apparently <laughs> we've got masses of them they call them the yowie down here in australia the yeti the oh. yeti Anyway, well, there's so many names for them. Yeti. Oh, okay. uh, I think the Yowie is the indigenous name the Aboriginals give the Bigfoot, the Yowie. Uh, okay, so what's your mission in all of this? I mean, under hypnosis, did you find out why your why it's happening to you? What what's what it's all what you know what you're involved in? Yes, it's a combination of that session, that regression session, and also just a lot of self-introspection uh, that I've been uh, undergoing. And uh, there's a few reasons. Uh, first of all, I believe that uh, we all share this common purpose, which is to love as much as possible. We're here to love as much as possible, and that starts with ourselves, which is where a lot of us get hung up. And that's really a basic uh, purpose and then some of us are here with missions and I do believe that one of my missions is to talk about this uh, I, I waited a long time to come out I was very very afraid to come out uh, I have to say it's the best thing I've ever done uh, I decided that I wanted to be the most authentic version of myself that I could possibly be and so that's this is when a lot of the self-introspection work started happening and as you're trying to express yourself in the most authentic way, you come up against barriers and, and blocks and the lies and the ugly things that you tell yourself about yourself. And so I'm moving through all that muck and covering all this crap about myself. And then I hit the wall, the really big ET wall. And I was like, oh my gosh, my path of authenticity includes ETs, not everyone's path, but mine does. So what am I gonna do with this? And that is when we moved here two years ago, and the second night that we were here, I came in contact with the Greys, and they burned uh, red, two red X marks into my hiney, into my tushy. Backside. <laughs> and so, yeah. The, the second night we were here, I had one red X mark on my left cheek. And then nine days later, I had another one on my right cheek. Did, did that this, scar? Has, has it completely it gone? Did it scar? No. It's it completely gone. Faded. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the second night, so the second morning we were here, I was in the kitchen unpacking dishes and it felt like something bit my butt and it hurt so i yelled over to my boyfriend i think something bit my butt will you look at it and he said yeah so i went over to the living room and i bent over and he said yeah there's a bug bite but there's also a red x and he took a picture of it i have a picture of it in my book yeah. and it's a, a red x it's a little bigger than an inch and it's nine red circular marks uh, that looked like it was lasered into my skin. And uh, as logical as my boyfriend is to this day, he has not been able to come up with any good reason or anything that would burn that into my butt without me even feeling it. And I, I was absolutely shocked. I was angry. I was scared. I knew it was a graze. I knew it. Uh, and I decided, you know, we're just going to ignore this. 
just like all the other times I had all kinds of like, you know, skin missing, chunks of skin missing, weird bruises, weird lights, all that. I would ignore all of it for decades. And then nine days later, I came to in my bedroom and this time with a very conscious memory of being on this bed that resembled a hospital bed. And I was lying on my right side and I couldn't move my arms and I couldn't move my legs. And I was in this room that barely had any furniture in it and it felt very sterile. And it felt like there was something behind me and I could turn my head. So I turned my head and right here doing something to my back was a gray. And we made eye contact. I have a drawing of him in my book and we just locked eyes. And I was so scared. And he didn't say anything to me. And all my other uh, encounters with the grays, there was telepathic communication, but this time there was nothing. And it wasn't nice, but it wasn't mean. It was just completely neutral. And I think the fact that it was completely neutral got me even more scared. So I turned my head back around. And then the next thing I know, I'm in my bedroom. And I get out of bed. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What if there's another X on me? And so I waited for my boyfriend to get up and he came downstairs and I told him what I remembered. And there was also something different about this memory. Uh, I knew that the room that I was in was on the moon. How did you know that? So it was just a knowing. Right. While I was in it, I told myself, I'm on the moon. And I had never told myself that before. So I asked him, you know, will you look at my butt? And I bent over and there was another X, just like the first one. And it's really hard to explain how I felt. Uh, it was almost like this, you were, I was mentally paralyzed. Like I didn't know what was real anymore. I, 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 uh, I just started to cry. And that's when I declared I needed help. That was the first time in my life I said, I need help. I can't go through this alone. So uh, after that, uh, I heard MUFON in my head. So I went to the MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network website. And that's where I saw Kathleen Martin, who's the director of Experiencer Research. And I emailed her and I sent her a picture of my ex and she responded in two or three days. And she said, I'd love to talk to you. And uh, she was so supportive and so kind and so validating of everything. And uh, it was a fantastic conversation, like I said, life-changing. Mm -hmm. And I asked her, what am I supposed to do with all this information the grace have given me? And I also see myself in my mind's eye, I see myself standing on stage talking about it. And she said, I can't tell you what you're to do. That's something that you have to figure out. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, I'm just gonna ignore it. It's <laughs> like everything, I'm just gonna ignore it. I'll figure out what to do with it later. Well then shortly after that, one day I woke up and I came downstairs and I, I said, I'm writing a book. And I wrote the book in just a couple of months. And then a couple of weeks later was asked to speak at AlienCon. And uh, it, as scary as it was, I knew I had to do it and I was doing it for me. I was doing it because I'm on this path of authenticity and I have to understand why I'm in touch with these aliens. It's a part of my reality and I have to come to terms with it. I also believe the X was put on my hiney because that's where Kundalini energy is. And uh, Kundalini energy is a very powerful energy that sits in uh, the lower part of the body. Uh, it's the energy that enters us when we're born and leaves when we die. And uh, when Kundalini is activated, you need to know the truth. You want to be the most authentic version of yourself you can possibly be. And you just demand the truth from everyone around you and just from uh, your life. And I see now that well, that is what Let's talk about happening. another version of the truth. Because here's the thing. If you don't remember what happens, then you have a different truth, right? Like if there's a lot of people that don't have memory of this. So their truth is their life 
you know, the truth is something different until they remember. And then there's a new truth. You know, there's plenty of truths. Like there's a lot of truths that as humans, we don't remember. Most of us don't understand where uncon- we're multidimensional beings. Most of us don't understand that our past lives are happening simultaneously and that many of them are actually on other planets or in other dimensions you know there's just a greater and greater and greater and ever expanding truth but and still there is awareness of that your truth is your truth in that moment that's your truth and um and then there's another truth and then there's another truth and because everyone's always talking about truth and everyone's arguing about what's true and what's not true and this is bullshit and you're lying and you know everyone's got their own truth to a christian this conversation is like crazy or to a skeptic or or an atheist, you know, this is not their truth. They have their truth. So it's just an ever expanding version of different truths, realities, you know, realities. Something that you said in the book, which I found really interesting, I find the hybridization program really amazing. And that, that you said that there were billions, but also you said in the book, something went wrong. It was harder than we all thought. I say, I understand that none of us, meaning me and my people, thought that Earth's reality would be as difficult as it is. None of us knew how easy it would be to succumb to the pressure and the social dictates. Is that what it meant? Dictates leading humans to grapple with creating a meaningful and prosperous life. What did you mean by that? So I, I do channel, uh, I, I channel for a career, I do soul sessions, and also I've been channeling for myself since I was 16. And when you channel, you connect with a variety of beings and consciousnesses in a variety of dimensions. So sometimes you're speaking to a dead person, sometimes you're speaking to an alien, sometimes you're speaking to a spirit guide or or you're channeling just a collective consciousness because mm-hmm. there's information that floats around us. And sometimes you just tap into that information, not necessarily channeling, channeling a particular being, but just getting a download of knowledge. So there's many different things to channel. And I, for many years, I've been getting very beautiful messages uh, through a collective consciousness and also sometimes through these beings, these individual beings. And I never really concentrated so much on who was giving me the information. I was just concentrating on the information. And if the information was beautiful and loving and supportive, then I'm like, okay, I'm more interested in the message than who it's coming from or where it's coming from. I always thought that there was a connection to this being that would visit me when I was a little girl and where i'm from uh now this opens up the whole uh topic of alternate lives some of us call them past lives but they're not really happening in the past they're all happening now so we have a variety of different lives and so you know sometimes when i think about all the different versions of myself that coexist sometimes we call them past lives uh you just, I just end up going down this spiral because it's just this endless uh, amount of consciousnesses uh, that we're all having simultaneously in other beings um, through other bodies. So in the regression therapy, these group of beings came through Mm -hmm. and uh, looking very much like this young man that I saw when I was younger. And they were wearing these blue jumpsuits and uh, they were talking to me and telling me that uh, at one point I was with them and I had agreed to come to earth and to uh, do my work. And no one really fully understood how difficult it is to be a human, how restricted you are and how, living this life uh, many times um, is very frustrating because we don't have all the answers. 
and all of us are just trying to like like living in the dark like just trying to grasp for something to to make sense of our lives or to try and figure out why we're here that's so many of us want to know why am i here why am i here what's my purpose uh and so as a human being on this version of earth because there's other versions of earth as a human being on this version of earth uh there are a lot of obstacles uh, and a lot of um, uh, a lot of truth that hasn't been realized. Now that's during this time frame. There's also thousands of years ago where there were people living on Earth that had a lot more answers than we have now, mm-hmm. uh, and so that kind of disappeared. And then we had to start all over again. And now we're trying to to find those answers again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what yeah. that was about. It was, uh, I felt that they were being apologetic, that we just really didn't know it was going to be that tough. You felt they were being apologetic. Well, schoolroom earth, as Belinda Womack called it, because it's not really a schoolroom in that any of the information that we gain is what we, our soul already knows. So we're not learning as much as we're remembering. How hard is it to remember? You know, schoolroom earth is like post grad, you know, it's like university degree because of the challenges involved. And so I think that as beings, as souls, when we come, it's like any challenge that we take on, we think, you know, I can do this. And then when we're in the middle of it, we realize, oh God, I didn't realize how difficult it was. But at some point, we knew we could do it, right? <laughs> It's like, yeah, I can do this. I can totally handle this. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think it's up to humanity or it's up to the beings here that are being human to sort of start to love the challenge instead of seeing it as difficult, you know, seeing it it as a challenge. I agree. I agree with you. Mm -hmm. Well, that is because we have a, a really thick vibe of victimization that runs through our society absolutely that's a big issue and interestingly enough i was the best victim ever well interestingly enough that victimization you know runs into the et experience uh uh crowd as well um in that they feel like you know this is not my planet i'm not meant to be here this is so hard and it becomes a story that they kind of lock onto which doesn't enhance their enjoyment of planet earth. Yeah. So we can say I I come from a bad, you know, family background or, you know, we can use any excuse to hate our lives. It can be because of our family. It can be because we're abducted. It can be whatever, you know, we're addicted to drugs or whatever, but yeah, victimization. Yeah. The blame game is like one of the biggest games on planet Earth, the blame game. Yes, it's a tough one. And we all have the ability to transcend it if we want to. Absolutely. Uh, It's really one of the biggest topics that I handle with my clients in the soul sessions, the victimization. Yeah. uh, And also the inability to speak up. Uh, Those are big problems. And so I was a victim for most of my life. I, I had two abusive relationships, two abusive marriages. And after I left the second one, that's when I told myself, I can't do this again. And I realized this is my fault. I, I agreed to be treated like that. What is wrong with me that I accepted that? Like there was something wrong with me that I accepted that. And I don't, I'm not angry at them at all because that was the deal that we made. Yeah. They came to me, I, you know, my higher self knew that they're abusers. My higher self knew that this was something that I decided to agree, agree to, to and experience. to experience. Yeah. And so that is why I started this really deep uh, self-introspection because I didn't want to hook up with another abuser again. Right. And I had to find out what was inside of me that thought it was okay for me to be treated like that right. and change that. Yeah. Yeah. And your boyfriend, uh, he sounds like a bit of a gem. Are you still with him? <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> he's gone through this whole, like, you know, X marks burnt into your butt and talking to greys. And is he an experiencer as well? I believe he is. He does not believe he is. Right. He, like I said, he's so logical. Right. So it, to him, the X is just really good circumstantial evidence. 
but it's circumstantial. Well, interestingly really enough, good. the first time I heard you say that when you reached out to me, I had to look at um, one of your talks and you were talking about it. I asked my mob straight away, what's the X marks about? And they just said evidence. Yes. Evidence. Yes, because I needed something mm. really harsh. I needed an alarm for me to finally admit that I'm in contact. Yeah. Because they've given me so many signs and I've just ignored them. Yeah. And I came here, one of my missions is to talk about this and to say that we're not alone. And I, you know, we all have our own line in the sand, draw our own line in the sand. So I was taking a lot, but finally I hit that line in the sand and that was the two X's. So you have two X's, like not one X, but two. Right, yes. <laughs> Yeah. So I joke about how they were probably, the Greys were probably sitting around going, what the hell can we do to get our attention? I mean, what is left? And then one says to the other, oh, let's just put two X's in our ass. And it worked. It did. It made me come out. Yeah. Another fascinating thing in the book, because I had a look over your book, is um, you had a conversation with General Twining in spirit. You chatted to him in spirit, didn't you? So he was part of General Twining memo dated 1947. as one of the most famous government memos about Roswell. He wrote uh, a memo to the Air Force to General George Shulgin about the crash site at Roswell. There was a lot of information in the memo. Basically, General Twining claims flying disc work removed so you chatted to him in spirit didn't you after he because he died a long time ago yeah well what had happened when I was a teenager I went to his son's house his son had a party uh very close to Loyola and my parents and my sister and I went to his house for this party because we had a mutual friend and at the time I had no idea who his father was I don't know if my parents knew but I had no idea and then Decades later, that same mutual friend is visiting me in Hawaii, and she wakes up one morning, and we're talking, having a cup of coffee, and she says, General Twining came to me in my dream. Oh, came to her, and, not you. Yeah. Oh, I got that house. wrong. Right. Yeah, okay. in my house. And right. so I took that as a message. I'm like, well, she's never dreamed of him before, and she's in my house, and she's telling me that he's come through they had the connection she had actually met him before yeah. and i took that as a sign that from the beyond that the work that i'm doing the uh my efforts uh are uh, being supported uh, mm -hmm. right okay so you just took that as a sign right i so thought i thought it was you chatting to him but it was her so you didn't answer, do you know exactly what your mission here is? I mean, you said, okay, you said to come out and to talk about it. You know, part of, I, I don't know if you saw my show with, um, or the Inner Sanctum with Susie, Susie Hansen. Did Kevin show you that? Uh, so Susie Hansen is an experiencer and she was given a download when she was up on ship about the three waves of volunteers. And um, we spoke about it quite extensively. Obviously, Dolores Cannon spoke about it too through her regression clients, but Susie was given a lot more information about it. And she says that the second wave is, which was a more of a finite wave, the first wave and third wave being sort of coming in and keep, keep coming in, uh, like the indigos and, and um, she has other names for them. But the second wave is are the people that are going to speak about their experiences. Yeah, and they feel like after decades, 50 years of not saying anything, it's time to speak. So I'd kind of put you in that category, I guess. Oh, so the second waivers were all about the same age? Well, yeah, more of a finite, probably, yeah, they're like Kevin's one of them, you're one of them, you know, they're kind of older. So they've, they've, they've kept their experiences under their belt for many years and they feel like it's safe to come out and speak now. And it's really, you know, their mission is about um, getting that information out there, that communication and, and cooperation. Uh, Susie said that when she was up on a ship, she was she was talking to this funny little hybrid grey that looked kind of like human, half grey, half human. It had this sparse sort of hair sticking out and this funny scowl on its face, and but this big blue eyes. And she was looking into these big blue eyes, and she said, "You know, um, well, what can I do? What can I do for humanity? Like, what what's the most important thing I need to know?" That's what she asked him. And and this grey uh, telepathed 
cooperation, like mm. getting people's stories to coordinate and yeah, mm. communicate. And I uh, thought that was interesting. So yeah, that like people database like a big database that's yeah. what misha johnson says she says we're all writing our stories so for to create this huge library of documentation yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah so what else do you think do you think that you're you, you're obviously part of them is this your first are you a first earther or have you um, no you've no. been here many times before no. i am here in various incarnations yeah yeah yeah. uh so another message that i have is that we're multi-dimensional interdimensional beings and we're constantly communicating through the dimensions yeah uh and a lot of et contact is actually happening that way a lot of et contact is not in 3d a lot of it is in these interdimensional multi-dimensional ways that's another one of my missions that people who think that these intense dreams are dreams we have dreams that are just dreams, but then we also have travels. And because the brain is ha- has a very difficult time giving that a name, it gives it the name of a dream or a hallucin- hallucin- hallucination, but they're real. And uh, I help people channel and I help people communicate through the dimensions. And uh, I also remind people that if you're going to go looking for new friends on other planets and in other dimensions to, uh, to pay attention to what your life is like on this earth, meaning what kind of energy do you radiate? What are you aligning with? What kind of people are you aligning with? What's your belief system? So because I was the victim, I played the victim for so many years. When I came in contact with the greys, I just assumed, oh, well, they're abusing me too because I had that lens of victimization on. So I just remind people, what lens are you looking at life through? Because that's the same lens you're gonna be looking at the other beings through exactly. as well. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's such an important message, especially in the UFO ET contact experience uh, space, because there's so much fear out there about it. And, um, and Hollywood has perpetuated a lot of that, you know, like, uh, Somebody did give me a list of positive ET movies and they were actually more than I thought they were. And I thought, oh, okay, so Hollywood's not all bad. <laughs> but compared to the oh, majority I would like that list. Yeah. yeah. Well, ET and Close Encounters were not necessarily negative movies. And, uh, yeah, there's quite a few and there's quite a few that came out even in the 50s. But there are even uh, more movies that are coming out now that are starting to be more of a positive message like uh, Arrival that came out last year or the year before. Yes. Uh, so there, it's starting to shift, but there has been this um, this image pushed out there into the mainstream that if if you're talking to ETs or any off being off Earth beings, they're gonna snatch you, hurt you, like they're evil in some way. And of course, Doctor. Unfortunately, yeah, mm-hmm. Stephen Greer is of the as of the saying that they're all positive. But like any, you know, like any race on any planet, on, in any country on earth, there's positive and negative. But what you will attract and what you will align to is exactly what you say, is what you're vibing, is the belief system that you're entertaining, that you're indulging in. It's like how you yes. feel about yourself and how you feel about others. Even yeah. if uh, an, a being that makes you feel uncomfortable were to approach you, uh, and if this being feeds off fear, if you don't have its food, if you can't provide it, its food of fear, it'll move on. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, as far as Laura's attraction, if you don't hold that vibration, it doesn't come into your space. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. I mean, we can have friends like that. And when we're vibing in a way uh, and they're in a bad mood, we'll just totally miss each other. You know, like we're all attracting through our vibe. So, um, yeah. So we don't have to be scared about evil aliens. We don't even have to be scared about demonic spirits. Lots of people like raving on about attachments and spirits. And, you know, we're also yeah. victimized by things that we can't see. Yes. What we have to do is just clean up our own vibe and just love life and not feel like life is this um, prison planet as so many people are pushing out there, you know, and they feel mm-hmm. victimized by being human. And mm-hmm. that's really a message that I want spread that we're not being victims being humans we're not on a prison planet 
we're on screw no, it makes school me sad yeah school room earth and it's a cha- it's a challenging place it's like it's like post-grad university i mean there are challenges put in place to stretch us to challenge us to move us to evolve us and we're not a victim of it we said i'm up for that i can do that so yeah mm-hmm. it's a powerful message especially in that space that you're you're uh, traveling in yeah yes and it really derives from the feeling of powerlessness yeah and so that's that's really the the biggest theme that I deal with with my clients is to help them realize that the, the power is right here and you can tap into it. Yeah. And how do you tap into it? How do you find it? And how do you activate your potential? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and we are not powerless. And so the victimization comes from feeling that we don't have the power and that the people around us are determining our fate or determining our destiny. Yeah. Where it's the opposite is what's or even the ET reality. Hmm. We're not powerless, we're powerful. So any other messages from your mob, from your gang, from your team that you would like to impart on people listening to this? (laughs) I have found that uh, something that's really helped me step into my power uh, and to lose the victim vibe is to try to detach. Detach maybe from a situation that you're in in that moment where you're having an argument with somebody or something's not happening or something's not going the way you want it to. If, and with practice, this can be done where you just could like take your, your mind out and just watch it from here from a higher perspective. And what that does is when you're watching yourself, and when you are focused on your response, you're not focused on the response of the other person. What the other person has to say is irrelevant to how you're going to feel. So when you're just analyzing your response to people and to situations, that very clearly tells you where you are, what your belief system is, where you're getting hung up. It's not to pay attention to the response of the people around you, but to step back and go, oh, why did I, why was that my trigger? Or why did I get upset right then? Or why am I so anxious and nervous right now? And to go into that, just kind of like forget about what's happening around you and not to hold other people responsible for your, 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 your state of peace uh, and for your happiness. That is completely internal. Even if someone's standing in front of you and telling you, you know, you're a crappy piece of crap, that you can still stand there and go, oh, well, thank you. I disagree. And, you know, let's move on. Uh, That takes a lot of practice. But that is something that I employ that has helped me so much. Uh, And uh, I do believe that in, in every interaction that we have with people, it's for us to determine really uh, where are we and how far have we, I come along on my path of authenticity and trying to, to stay in this state of peace, uh, which is really primarily what I'm aiming for, is just to stay in this state of peace. Can mm-hmm. I get sad? Yes. Can I get um, agitated or irritated? Yeah, that happens, but it's still, there's still, it's uh, operating from this platform of peace. And I found that I, it's easier for me to attain that. Of course, it's, it's an endless work. Uh, when I'm able to detach and view the situation and really pay attention to my response, mm-hmm. analyze myself and stop analyzing other people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful. Absolutely. And bless those people that push your buttons because they show you what <laughs> buttons you've got left to push. <laughs> usually you know family i don't know um call centers <laughs> they're the ones that push my yes. call centers. customer service does. customer yes. service oh my gosh it's so funny you should say that yeah I'm <laughs> it's the only time i seem to get upset and frustrated it's always with call centers because i can never understand what they're saying i'm trying to listen to them I'm like i'm sorry i don't understand what you're saying <laughs> oh the ones that are outsourced outsourced but yeah they show you what buttons you've got left to push <laughs> bless mm-hmm. them ah oh, darling good on you oh it's 10 10 here in australia um 
Oh my goodness. You, do you have hybrid children yourself? You do, don't you? Because you were shown one. Right? I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yes, I was shown a baby in a tube and also I was shown these two other little children that they wanted me to heal. Right. And you don't have earth children, do you? I mean, children. No, not in this lifetime. Not, not in this lifetime. Family. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your story with us. It was fascinating. And uh, people can get your book. I'll have it on my Amazon link. Have you, is it on Amazon, your book? It's on Amazon. Mm -hmm. So if you want to and, uh, contribute yeah. to the show, you can go to the link I'll have under the um, audio and the YouTube and if you want to buy Sam's book, you can buy it there on our Amazon link. And that gives oh, us a few cents. Thank and uh, and thank I you. also, may I say something? Sure. There's another mission that I have, and that's to help experiencers. Yeah. And so I have a free forum on my website, planetsev.com, where experiencers can write me and share their stories with me in privacy. And I will respond and I will help them. And I've heard from people all over the world. And I also, it's called ET Encounters. And then I also have on my website a separate page where I share bits and pieces of some of the stories. And I do that because it really helps other people who are maybe on the verge of coming out. If you read a story that's similar to yours or someone saw a being that's similar to yours, uh, and so that's free help that I offer for experiencers because I know what it's like to, to need help and not have anyone to go to or talk to or for validation. Yeah, beautiful. It's a great service. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Well, what did you think of uh, Sev Tok's uh, story? We had a fascinating conversation <laughs> after I turned off the recording, as we do. She started quizzing me. She said, oh, I've been through your website and I really like what you're doing. She said, are you an experiencer? So I started to tell her my experience, um, which is not like her experience. It's just really what my guides have told me about my connections to, uh, to the ETs. And um, yeah, it's an interesting story. If you want to know, I'll tell you one day. But they definitely have asked me to share people's stories. You know, the second waivers, people that have had experiences that they've kept under their belt for a long time and they're now coming out to share their experiences and their stories because, you know, as we share our stories, consciousness expands. So it's all part of the consciousness expand. Like my mission is to help consciousness expand on this planet so that we can shift into a new reality. There's millions of us here doing it. You know, I'm not special in this, but I have a kind of, a job to do and it's over a vast sort of array of uh, topics and jewels angels near-death experiences it's really you know multi-dimensionalism we're like more than these physical clumps on this physical earth we're multi-dimensional so it's all part of being here to spread that multi-dimensional awareness of who we are here now and in the past in the future and on other dimensions and in spirit we get around, you know, our souls, us humans. We're so much bigger and greater than we think we are. These, just these physical clumps with these crazy minds that we have and, and crazy emotions. Yeah, but part of, the, part of the plan of being human is to take all that on and learn to work with it in a way where we can thrive and be happy and enjoy our lives. And Seven and I were just talking about, you know, how we went into the victim story that the biggest, one of the biggest games on this planet is the blame game. Who can I blame for the way I feel instead of taking that responsibility that whatever's happening to me, even if I've got X marks on my butt <laughs> being abducted by aliens or whatever is happening to us, how bizarre and crazy it might seem that we're not a victim to it, that on some level our soul has said, yeah, I'm up for that. And then we have to ask, well, why? Like, what am I getting out of this experience? If I have abusive parents or if I live in a low socioeconomic come from poverty or if I have illness, it's like, what was the plan, man? What, what was the soul wanting to experience and how does it help me grow as a consciousness and, um, and not to play the blame game or to be a victim to it, to take back our power of creation and love what is loving what is whatever it turns up that's what 
we spoke about in the last show, you know, with uh, Jim Self, present moment awareness, being in the moment, being in the now and making choices from that present moment awareness, not the past, not the future, not what happened to us or what we want, but what we want to feel in this moment of now, right here, right now, taking your power back. As Seth says, I say this on all the shows, all your power is in the now, all your power. As creators, we've come here to create a life as well as to live it. Our creative power is in this moment, in this moment where we choose how we want to think and how we want to feel. All our power is in the now. So, yeah, I enjoyed that conversation with Seb. She's a beautiful woman. She's, uh, you know, in that ET alien abduction, sort of coming out of the ET closet space, helping people not feel victimized from their memories or their experiences. And, um, yeah, she has a big part to play in all of that, even though she's just woken up very recently, just put herself out there in the last year or two as, as that. So it was lovely to talk to her. And as I said, coming up in the on the show is Penny Kelly. We'll, we'll do some more consciousness exploring with her. She's put out her, another yet another book. She's so prolific with her books. And Jamie Butler and more. And Penny Short is in the Inner Sanctum, who's an energy teacher, an energy practitioner and teacher. So if you want to learn more about your energy field and how you flow your energy, she's going to give you some tips on all of that. Thanks again for watching. Love you all. Bye for now.